Amen, amen. You can grab a seat if you're ready. And we are continuing our series this morning called The Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Dang, y'all took all those kids out and emptied out these front seats. Now I'm kind of depressed. So I, was getting, I was all pumped to preach right here because it looks so full and they left. All right. Uh, but we've been, we've been in a series called The Beatitudes. If you grew up in church or uh, had a lot of Christians in your family, grew up around the Bible, then you know Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. And it begins with a chunk of scripture called The Beatitudes. But in our church, there's a lot of people who Christianity is kind of new to them or it's fresh and you didn't grow up around the Bible, reading the Bible. So we've had some good laughs over the last couple weeks because we, if you didn't grow up and you're not familiar with this and you see this word, then for you, it's the Beatitudes. All right. So I would like to welcome you to part five of the Beatitudes. We're glad to have you uh, joining us today. And um, before I get into the, the, the scripture, I just want to remind you and invite you to First Wednesday, which is coming up on November 2nd. If you've never been to a First Wednesday service, um, it's a little different. It's not quite like Sunday morning. We spend a little bit more time in worship. We sing a little more. Um, we don't have multiple church services stacked together, and, and um, so we're not in a tight schedule, and nobody has to get to lunch or a football game. And so um, we're able to be a little bit more relaxed on a First Wednesday. Um, in fact, the 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 most recent one we had, or two, two first Wednesdays ago, actually, there was a group of people, 30, 40, I don't, I don't know. Um, the longer it gets from the moment, the larger the number will be. Kind of like when you catch a fish, you know, when you first caught it, it was here. And then like 10 years later, I'll be telling this story and I'll be like, there was this first Wednesday and a thousand people stayed. But uh, like we could not get people to go home. They wouldn't leave. I was ready. I was tired, my feet hurt, and we just kept praying and seeking God, and, and we couldn't get people to leave. It was a really special moment. And, um, and so First Wednesday just lets us do that. We usually dig a little deeper in the scripture, a little bit more of a Bible study flow. And uh, so if you've never experienced that, consider this my personal invitation to you. Come hang out at a First Wednesday. There is childcare. Uh, there's even coffee. Why wouldn't you be here for that? All right, free, free coffee. All right, so... Um, Let's get into it. We've been in Matthew chapter 5, which begins with this. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and you've heard us saying this for several weeks now. Some translations don't use the word disciples. Some translations, and it's actually more accurate, some, some translations say the committed followed him up the mountain. So this is not a reference to just the twelve. This is people who considered themselves devoted to the teaching of Jesus. And so Jesus separates out from this huge crowd, which is there because he's been doing Jesus stuff, miracles, and he's just being Jesus. But then he goes to teach, which is really the, really the thing a rabbi wants to do the most. They want to teach. They want to lead their disciples. And so he separates from the crowd, goes up the mountainside, and it's almost as if some people have to make a decision. Do I just want to stay here in the crowd where it's comfortable? Or am I willing to go up the mountain with Jesus? You know, sometimes to develop your faith, to really be a follower of Jesus, you're gonna have to leave what's comfortable, come on y'all, and you might have to climb a little. You might have to do a little work, might have to get a little sweaty. 
That's why we do serve day in the summer, just to remind you, sometimes you got to get sweaty for Jesus. <laughs> might, have to, might have to get out of what's comfortable to go get at the feet of Jesus and hear what he has to say. I hope that's your heart this morning, that you would be willing to kind of separate out from what's normal and go sit with Jesus and hear what he has to say. And the Beatitudes are fascinating because they tend to be, actually, if you look at the world we live in today, they tend to be pretty countercultural to what we experience in the world around us right now. And he sits down there and he began to, everybody say it, teach them, teach them. And he's still teaching us today through the scriptures, through his word, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And he begins what is most commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. In your Bible, it takes up Matthew chapter five, chapter six, in chapter seven, and I believe Jesus never did anything on accident. I don't believe the scriptures are on accident. He begins the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. So before he gets into any other teaching, he's like, hey, hey guys, this needs to be the posture of your heart towards God and toward the world around you. Let's work on this, let's get it right. And he follows up the Beatitudes with, hey, you're salt and light. A city on a hill, you need to be shining for the world around you. So, so today we're in week five, and we're all the way to verse seven, which is this. God blesses those who are, you say it, merciful, for they will be shown what? Mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so I was looking at this this week. There's, a, there's kind of a fun thing that's been happening on our team and our staff Pastor Perry's full-time now. Uh, Whitney is a part of our teaching team. And, and, and kind of one of the fun things that's starting to happen is as we study and prepare sermons, there's a little bit more input from each other every once in a while. And sometimes as we find something in the scripture, we get excited, we go tell the other one, and they're like, oh, well, did you see this? Did you see this? And uh, sometimes it's, it's not great because you lose your focus. And Pastor Perry and I are sitting there with like the strongs and the concordances and, the, and, the, and, the, and reading the notes. And I'm like, two hours have gone by and I've done nothing. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but it's, it's, it's fun. The scripture is alive to us. And so I was, I was looking at this, I was looking at this, and I was kind of contrasting it against the rest of the Beatitudes. And I noticed something. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So last week we talked about God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Did you notice last week that the reward for the hunger and thirst for righteousness is not righteousness? We, we started off with those who are poor in spirit. And the reward for them is not to be more poor in spirit, thank God. Aren't you glad that blessed are those who mourn? Aren't you glad for they will receive mourning? Aren't you glad it doesn't read that way? Aren't you glad that's not what he said? <laughs> so it just caught my eye that this, out of all of the Beatitudes, this is the only one with a like-for-like like exchange. Mercy for mercy. And I like it, because you know what I need a lot of? Mercy. Some of you were a little too quick on that. <laughs> Caitlin Lundberg serves on our team. She was sitting right down here in the front row in the first service, and, and I said, those who are closest to me know I need some mercy. And she was like, amen! <laughs> so uh, Caitlin's looking for a job, if any of you are hiring. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. 
I need, can I, y'all, I need mercy. And I'm betting you do too. Because I mess up a lot. And I'm betting you do too. And this is the only beatitude that tells me if I can learn to be a person who is merciful, then I will receive this thing I need deeply. It reminded me of some other scriptures in the Bible that show this kind of same exchange taking place. So I'll show you those in a second, but first, like, let's just get a, a definition on the word mercy. And this is one of the um, kind of almost rare occurrences where the English word and the definition that goes with it is pretty accurate for what the Greek, work wa- Greek word was and what's actually being explained in the Bible. And it's simply this, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone, watch this, whom it is within one's power to punish or to harm. It's within one's power to punish or to harm. Can we just, let's establish a couple of baselines this morning. Can we all agree that it's within God's power to punish me or to harm me? Could God, could, could, could God punish me? Yes, he could. Could he harm me? Yeah. Could he do that to you? So then that means we need what? Mercy. We need mercy. Some of us have some people in our lives, some relationships, where it is within your power to punish or to harm. Now, I want to be clear this morning. I am not talking about situations where you might be the victim of an assault or a crime or abuse. Mercy does not mean that you don't have healthy boundaries in your life. Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay? But it does mean when I could crush you like a bug. I don't. Even if you maybe kind of probably deserve it. I drive a, I drive a truck, all right? I drive a pretty big truck because I pull a camper with it. Um, drive all over the country with it. It's a pretty good sized truck. And can I just tell you, some of y'all, the way you drive, you don't deserve mercy. <laughs> you know, there are times, I'm in my big, my big diesel truck. There are times people do things that get under my skin just a little bit, and then they end up in their 1,500-pound soaking wet little, little Toyota car right in front of my big truck. And I think, I could. I could mash the accelerator on this diesel and your little toy car would be gone. I won't do it because I like my paint. (laughs) Mercy. (laughs) Mercy. Hey, you know, um, there are times I've been around people who've made some terrible choices and I could isolate them. I could tell them, hey, you'll never be accepted. You'll never be loved. You'll never have community. And I'm just telling you, there's ways we can do that and be healthy. In fact, I was dealing with, working with some of our team on a situation like that this week. We're, we're gonna have to create some crazy hoops for some, someone to jump through, but we are going to lead with mercy. We could, we could crush them. We could break them. 
And you've had some relationships like that in your life as well. But we need to be people of mercy because Jesus says, if you give it, you'll get it back. And it's not just in your relationship with God, it's in your relationship with people. Come, where are all the married people at? How many know for that to work, there better be some mercy? Amen. Yeah? Some of y'all are, you're dispensing mercy right now. The fact that you're both still alive. <laughs> sitting in church together, that's an act of mercy. So Jesus says, give it, you'll get it. Remind me of this, Galatians chapter six, verse seven, it says, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Another translation says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that he shall also reap. What you plant will come back. Even secular society understands this one. Watch, I'll prove it to you. What goes around, around. Mm -hmm, see? Some people call it karma. Karma's not a thing. I just, I hate to tell you that, it's not a thing. But sowing and reaping is. Sowing and reaping is. I had this conversation with my son one time uh, not so long ago. He, we, have, we have two kids, siblings, and so if you have kids, or if you were a sibling, come on, was anybody in the room ever a sibling? I was. I don't know. I'm sure you've experienced this. Sometimes siblings can kind of get at each other, just little, just a little bit. And so uh, my, my, my kids were, they were having some tension, and so I was just hanging out with my boy, and I said, hey, man, listen, what do you want from your sister? Do you want her to be kind to you, or do you want her to be mean to you? He said, I want her to be kind. I said, well then, maybe you might want to think about how you could plant some seeds of kindness with your sister. My little boy loves apples. It's one of his favorite snacks. I said, hey, if we were to plant an apple tree seed, what kind of tree would we expect to grow? Y'all are geniuses. Good job. <laughs> and we would expect apples to grow on it. We would expect that to be the fruit, right? He said, yeah. So, so buddy, if you plant seeds of kindness with your sister, eventually, it might take a while for the seed to germinate and sprout, and it might take a while before there's fruit on it, but if you plant that seed, eventually, it should come back to you. And so now, sometimes, if there's a little bit of tension, I'll just, sometimes I'll pull him aside and say, hey, bud, what? what seed are you planting right now? And he'll be like, not an apple seed. <laughs> sometimes we celebrate. Sometimes they'll come to me like, Daddy, I, did. I planted some apple seeds today. I'm like, good job, man, good job. G Jesus said it in Luke 6, 37, one of the most misused, misunderstood scriptures in your Bible. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. This does not mean that we cannot call out sin when we see it and we cannot devise truth from lie with people. That's not what this is. Jesus is just kind of saying, hey, like, hey, don't be a jerk. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Why? Because there's a role that's God's and there's a role that's ours. 
And so the Holy Spirit, he's really good at convincing people that they're sinners and that they need a savior. He's like, I'm a good Michael, I'm a bad Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen this morning? He's good at it. By the way, there are scriptures later in the New Testament where Paul encourages us within the body of Christ to bring judgment to each other because once we're followers of Jesus, we're supposed to hold each other accountable. Can I hear an amen? So like, if my kids don't do their chores, there's gonna be judgment and they don't get to be like, well, God said not to judge me. Be like, okay, I'll tell you what, you can go live in a house where there's no judgment, get a job, right? Y'all tracking. But Jesus is saying like, hey, just be careful here because it could come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Everybody say the next word. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more running over. How many like it when the blessings run over? Yeah? Like there's a whole bunch of kids. I know my kids right now, Christmas is approaching and they're hoping for a running over Christmas. They are. And we're probably gonna give it to them. We're a little crazy when it comes to Christmas. And pour it into your lap. The amount, watch this, you give will determine the amount you get back. Now I've heard a lot of different teachers of the Bible try to frame this scripture to try to get you to write checks to try to get you to give more. And listen, I, I believe in generosity to people in need and to kingdom work. Both of those are great. You should do what the Holy Spirit puts in your heart to do. We're not supposed to give out of compulsion or manipulation. But if we're honest with ourselves, the context of this scripture is not money. It's judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Y'all with me? This is not a write a big check at church and you'll get a new Bentley. That's not what this is. That's not what this is. Jesus is saying, hey, your attitude towards the world and the spirit with which you interact with people. Planting seeds. Was that heresy? Turn my mic off, God? I'm sorry. I thought I had that one right. It's in that context that he says give and it'll be given back to you. Making room, you're gonna have to make room for more because it's gonna run over, pour it into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And I love this because I need that. I need running over mercy in my life. Amen. Betting you do too. Amen. And like I told you before, the Beatitudes are so counterculture. Like we're coming up on an election season. How many of y'all have seen some political ads that have mercy? <laughs> there ain't no mercy in our world right now. None. How many of y'all have had a social media post that somebody else disagreed with and they responded to you with mercy? Anybody? It just does not exist in our society. Be, let me tell you what kind of does exist in our world right now. Is we, we, should, we, we don't really lead with mercy. We kind of more lead with like, hey, I breathe, I exist, you owe me. What you got for me? What you gonna do for me? And some of you have been through some awful, terrible things in your life. You've, you're, you're literally a victim. And I'm qualified to say this to you because I am too. 
What the enemy would love to do with the thing that hurt you is take you to a place where you never, ever learn to give mercy. You only feel like the world owes you because of the pain you've endured. And I'm just telling you, it ain't ever gonna happen. The world does not have enough to offer to heal your pain. Only one person does. Come on, y'all. Only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus. And he says, you need some mercy, start handing it out. Start handing it out. So I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit whispered this to me this week. I wrote it down in my journal and then it made its way into my notes and I, I asked my wife, I said, does this make sense? I asked some of our team, does this make sense? And I wanna say this to you this morning and then we're gonna wrap it up. I believe one of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is to stop wanting from others and to start wanting for them. And that's what mercy does. Mercy leads with, hey, I mean, you, you don't deserve it, but I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help. And I would encourage you, don't use that language. That needs to be the attitude of your heart. Don't lead a conversation with, you don't deserve this. <laughs> Husbands and wives, don't try to work your way out of a fight with, you don't deserve this, honey, but I'm gonna go ahead and do some laundry. We all clear on that one? Yeah. Titus 3, 4, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. Not because we deserved it, but because of his what? Mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. And so here's the pivot point this morning. Here's the the argument I wanna to make to you, I don't actually think I can be an effective distributor of mercy without the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't think I can do it. You know why, because we, we, we take you guys through these spiritual gifts assessments when you do life track, try to help you figure out what's the Holy Spirit doing in your life right now. One of the spiritual gifts is mercy. So, so for a handful of you, this is like your favorite message ever. Uh, mercy's like one of the last ones for me. Like, it's just not my go-to. Anybody else? Like, I do not lead with mercy. A lot, of, a lot of the, like, the baby boomer generation, no mercy in that generation. Come on. I was Gen X. I was right on the line of Gen X millennial. So, like, I got a little mixture. I got a little mixture. I got influence of boomers and influence of some people who are younger than me, it's an interesting place to live. I was born 1980, right on the cutoff between Gen X and, and millennial. And, and let me tell you how boomers feel about the world, all right? Here's their favorite phrase, suck it up. Come on, boomers, where you at? Come on, suck it up. We all got junk, we all got problems, get to work. And hey, I just wanna say, I wanna validate you this morning, most of the time you're right. Most of the time you're right. The issue the younger generation has is you don't, you maybe aren't leading into that conversation from a place of mercy. 
See, when I come to someone with, when I lead with mercy, then I earn the right in the relationship to say, hey, you know what I think you really need? You need to stop being a crybaby. It's time to do something. To, but if I lead with that conversation, come on, how many know that conversation's not going anywhere? So mercy says, hey, I understand you're in pain. I'm so sorry. Come on, let's hug it out. I got a tissue for you. It's gonna be all right. I'm gonna help you figure this out. But part of what you need to do is you need to stop complaining all the time so we can move forward. So this, this is for, for those of us like me who mercy is not your default gift and it's not mine. I wanna fix stuff. Let's fix the problem. Let's move forward. I don't need to sit in it. Well, sometimes you do need to sit in it. Sometimes the people in your life need you to stop and go, hey, you all right? You okay? No. What's wrong? And you pray with them. And you show compassion and empathy and kindness. And when you do that, you will eventually earn the right to say, okay, hey, can I be honest with you? Kind of stupid that this is bothering you so much. Let's, let's focus on something else. Let's, let's move forward. Y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So here's what, here's what I want to do. Just four quick things and we're done. I'm going to get you out of here right on time. Actually, a little bit ahead of time. Let's just make this our prayer this morning because we need the Holy Spirit to do this. Holy Spirit, teach me to be merciful. Let's just say that part together. Don't worry about the toward or towards. I wonder if I got this correct grammatically. We'll figure that out later. Come on, let's say this. Holy Spirit, teach me to be merciful. To who? To who? And I want to just give you, I want to give you just four quick kind of categories, groups of people that I think you could kind of be on the lookout for to be merciful, to bring mercy to, okay? Here's the first group. Holy Spirit, teach me to be merciful toward people who are living in a place of sin. Because I've done that, and I needed your mercy. Probably all of us right now, we have somebody in our lives who we can think of some decisions they're making that just don't line up with God's word. They're missing the mark. It's sin. Brylon, you can come on out. I'm going to go quick. It's sin. And I, I mean, you just do whatever you think the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. But I have found helping my friends who are caught in a sin pattern usually doesn't go well if I lead with a pointy finger. or a verbal slap to the face, which comes, I told y'all, I don't, mercy's not my default, I have to work at this. We, I had somebody on our team that just went through something awful, like hurt them badly, it was traumatic. And my response, my flesh was like, I think I wanna call all the men in my small group, round up a posse, 
go find the people responsible for this and introduce them to the ministry of correction. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, <laughs> that was where I wanted to go. But Jesus is calling us to mercy, amen? So I guarantee you, people in your life who are living in sin, they're making terrible choices, they may not be feeling it right now, but eventually the consequences of those choices will come. And pain is a great teacher. And those of us who've been merciful will be well positioned to lead them to Jesus. All right, here's the second one. Be merciful. Holy Spirit, help me to be merciful toward people who are in sorrow. Who are in sorrow. I I don't know yet what we're supposed to do about it. I'm praying about next year where God's leading our church. But I know we gotta do something. I just, I haven't figured it out yet. Our team hasn't figured it out yet. And I kinda think it's a little sad that the churches aren't more well positioned to deal with this. But y'all, if you've studied anything, if you've looked at any of the statistics, you know that the United States of America, as we get further and further from a God first mentality, our mental health is falling apart. It's a crisis. Suicide is a crisis. It's the top killer of young people. Why? Because a lot of people are in sorrow. They're in pain that nobody knows, nobody can see it. And we've become really great at hiding it. And I'm just calling all of you, if you call True Life home, I need your help. We gotta lead in this area with mercy. Come on, amen? We gotta lead with mercy. These people are hurting. There's a time and a place to correct. Absolutely. I'm 100% for that. It's one of the reasons why I had to hire staff, because they're better at correcting nicely than I am. I'm pretty direct. But when people are in pain and they're hurting, show some mercy, show some compassion. Holy Spirit, help me to be merciful towards people who are dealing with sickness in their body. A lot of you probably know the story. I know some of you are guests today for baptism, but I recently went through a little bit of a frightening experience where as they were dealing with trying to find some things going on in my hip, I have a torn labrum here. I've been dealing with a lot of pain. Incidentally, they found a lesion, a tumor, in the top of my femur bone. And for about three weeks, waiting for the results of whether or not it was dangerous, I was just in pure torment. I've never had anything mess with me like that. And I was beating myself up because I'm like, man, you're a person of faith. You're a leader. You're a pastor. You, this shit, but it did. It just jacked with me. And thank God it was nothing. I think God did a miracle. There's nothing there to worry about. But on the heels of that, my attitude towards people who are going through health crisis is just so much more compassionate. Can I be transparent with you? Some of y'all are gonna judge me, you're gonna leave the church after I say this. There was a part of me, that, like, like people who are going through sickness, there was a little tiny part of me that was, I was like, okay, well this is what we hired Pastor Perry for, here you go. And now, I just wanna hug them. 
<laughs> I just want to hug them and hug them and hug them. Like awkward, it's probably not appropriate, hug them. All right, like that's where I'm, that's where I'm at. So if you're sick, you might not want to tell me. It's going to get weird. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to be merciful to people who are sick and people who are suffering. Because there's a lot of it. There's a lot of suffering. A lot of suffering around us today. Some of you are suffering today. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a relational wound or... disappointment that you're dealing with, but you're suffering. And I just pray that you sense the mercy of God on your life today. His compassion, His love for you. We're going to wrap it up. Would you stand to your feet all across the room and let's just have a moment of prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want to rewind all the way back to the beginning where we all agreed that God could punish me. The Bible's really clear. The wages of sin is death. Because I have sinned, I do not deserve salvation. I do not deserve heaven. I do not deserve eternity. But God, in his mercy, sent Jesus. And he became a perfect sacrifice once and for all. For all my mistakes. Not so I can keep doing them, but so I can be free from the consequence of being separated from God for all of eternity. He's done that for me. Some of you today, Maybe you're here and you're realizing for the first time, I need God's mercy, his forgiveness, his compassion on my life. So please close your eyes. I want to just a private moment. Don't look at me. Don't look around the room. If you're in the room today or if you're watching online, like I can't see you, but God sees you. And you just say, hey, Michael, I need to receive salvation for the first time ever in my life. I need to receive the mercy of God. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything, but I want to know you're here. If you just say, hey, Michael, that's me. You just raise your hand. Just say, hey, that's me. I, I need to receive God's mercy in my life today. I see it. Good job. I see it. Good job. Anybody else? Anyone else? You can put it right back down after you put it up. It's a couple people so far. Anyone else? Okay. If you raised your hand or if you're watching online at home and you raised your hand, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to have a conversation with your creator right now. And I'm gonna help you with the words. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm separated from you by my sin. But today, I receive your mercy. Thank you for that. Thank you for the cross. I acknowledge and recognize that Jesus went to the cross for me. And I receive the gift of salvation. Please save me. From this day on, Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the king of my life. I'm joining your family. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I wanna talk to everybody else. If you didn't raise your hand, my assumption is we're family, that you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. And how, I, just wanna, I just wanna ask, how many of us today, show hands, heads bowed, eyes closed, could just say, hey, you know what? I could, I could probably be a little bit better distributor of mercy. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Okay, yeah, that's pretty much all of us, okay. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Help us to stay surrendered to you in this area of our lives. That our posture towards people, our posture towards the world, without sacrificing truth, without compromising your word, that we would find a way to come from a position of mercy. Help us to lead with mercy. You could have crushed us, but you haven't. And there are people in our world, God, who they need to encounter your mercy through us. So teach us, Holy Spirit, to be merciful towards people who are caught up in poor decisions, sinful lifestyles. Teach us to be merciful towards people who are in sorrow, they're in mental anguish, they're in pain. Teach us to be merciful towards people who are going through sickness and brokenness in their bodies. And God, there are some people today who are, they've gone through some sadness, some brokenness in their life, and they're just suffering right now. Holy Spirit, we pray for your mercy, your healing in each and every situation. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.